So Psalm 100. Um, these these are these are two signs that are, are beginning to talk about this. Entrad por sus puertas con acción de gracias, por sus atrios con alabanza. Um, these uh, these words are from Psalm 100, and Psalm 100 is perspective food for a maturing Christianity. It's it's food. It's it's perspective. It's a way for you to understand better Christianity. Now, this can be for people that are still trying to decide to follow Jesus, but also for people that are already following Jesus and need to mature more in their walk of faith. Psalm 100 is perfect for basically, then, anybody. If you're looking to grow more in Jesus or if you're trying to figure out who this Jesus is and what does it mean to follow, Psalm 100 will give you food to help you down that journey that you are taking. It's like a a scenic overlook. It's like you drive up. You know you're driving on one of those journeys, and then uh, there's a scenic overlook, and you can stop, and you can get out of your car. Oh, qué bonito! You can you can look over the mountains and the valleys, like in Ojai, cuando fuimos ahí en Ojai para el retiro. Puedes ver todo el valle de Ojai. Allí, es, that's what we're doing today. You're going to get out of the car of your life, and it's like you're going to do this beautiful scenic overlook of the human's response to God. So your response to God. Let's read Psalm 100 together. Psalm 100, it says, it's short. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. And we are his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is God's words and so we give thanks for their presence in our life. In verse 5, so the very end, it says, The Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, the word that you see there, love, you see, in Espanol, la palabra amor, the word love, it says that God is connected to goodness, and God is connected to love. But this word love that we have in Scripture, this isn't a word that means the type of love that's cute and cuddly. It's not the type of love that, that you have for, for an animal, like a pet. It's not the type of love that, that is an emotion. No, this word that we have translated here is a word that means a lot more than you might think. Back in high school, when I was in high school, uh, we would have certain conversations, or, or we called certain conversations a, a DTR. Does anyone know what that means? A DTR. You would uh, you would hang out with someone at, at a at a pizza parlor. It's it's two two buddies of mine. We're sitting there, and the one guy is talking about uh, this new girl in his life, and he has a he has emotions starting. He has a crush on this girl, and now it's been a couple of weeks, and uh, we get there, and he's talking to me about how he's. He really wants to know if this could go anywhere, if maybe they could start even dating. And so I ask him, have you had a DTR? It's what we call a define the 
relationship, a DTR. Define the relationship. And in this passage, in Psalm 100, you have that conversation with the God of all creation. You have that conversation for yourself. God comes to us in Psalm 100 and clearly defines the relationship from his perspective for you. This perspective revolves around the word love. Now, this word, I've talked about it before, and you're going to say it now. In Hebrew, it's a word that, it, that is translated from chesed. Can you say it? Chesed. we got to go. Go ahead, Nabil. <laughs> he says it always the best. Whenever I need a chesed. And this word means more than just love. It means covenant love. It means contractual love. It means promised for a time love. Last week, we had the opportunity to celebrate Olin and Sylvia Seal's 70th anniversary here in the church. No sé si pudieron ver en Facebook la celebración que, que tenemos el domingo pasado. Tenemos dos ancianos en la mañana que están celebrando 70 años de matrimonio. 70 years. 70. That's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. And so, uh, she asked me, do you think you can get to 70 years? <laughs> me preguntó, ¿puedes ir hasta 70? I thought about it. That would make me over 100. <laughs> nope, not going to do it. That example of love is what is behind Chesed is what's behind this word love as God defines what he is for you. It's not the type of love that is an emotional here today, gone tomorrow love, a high school crush love. The type of love that he's talking about is like marital love, like the covenant of marriage, like, like the love that he can promise to you for all eternity. This is a, a covenant of love that he gave to you when you were even created. When you were created, God already entered into this covenant with you. That's why in the Presbyterian Church we baptize babies. Because we want to boldly proclaim our belief that from the moment you were created, God enters into a love covenant with each of you. In this life, we so often spend our time Wondering how to win the approval of others. People, uh, we'll name them James, uh, Jane, like Jane and Joe. We'll just name them. James and Joes go to jobs every single day looking for recognition in their work. They go there and, and work really hard so their bosses and employers will notice them. And they'll get either a, a rubber stamp of approval or, or their work will be noticed by other people or by clients. They're trying to find the approval of the clients. They're trying to find the approval of the people around them in their life. Every day, you and I, we wake up and we're trying to think, how can I win the approval of someone? It could be a spouse. You could be thinking about your husband or your wife. How can I feel accepted by doing the right thing? Or your kids or your parents. Maybe it's friends. Maybe you go out to, to, the, to some sort of a, a, a field trip with your friends. And what I can, I know that there are so many, so many Janes in this world that stand in front of the mirror. And how many outfits do you put on 
before you decide, no, this is the outfit that will win me the most approval when I walk out the door. And I also seen, actually I did this, I'll, I'll confess, how many of us will, will be taking our photos, right? And nowadays you post on Facebook and Instagram a lot of times just so that you can see the likes and the hearts and stuff. And how often do you spend, you know, like five minutes just looking for the right filter to put on your Instagram? There is so much time that we spend daily from the moment we wake up to the moment we fall asleep trying to win the approval, the acceptance of other people in our life to feel fulfilled. The goodness of God is wrapped up in his choosing you from the moment you were created. Whenever God sees you, whenever God looks upon you, as he does right now, he looks through the love covenant that he has already made with you from your creation, your birth, all the way through to eternity. And while you're busy seeking approval and acceptance through things like Facebook or through your employer or a client or a job that you did well or, or through an action that you'll do for a friend or a spouse, all the while there is this one, there is God who is choosing you each and every single day of your life. You wake up, God's already chosen you. You wake up, God's already chosen you. Already done. Right. But now you're talking about some all-powerful God. And how often, pastor, do I feel the shame? Am I reminded by the guilt that I seem to carry with me always? The shame and the guilt that God also sees because he would be able to have that list, that record of all the wrong that I have done. And so we ask ourselves, with all of the ugly side of me, with, with the list of all the wrongs, with the record of all the wrongs that I have done in my life, as God can hold that, because God knows everything, how could God possibly every single day be choosing to love me? How could I be fully accepted by the one who knows everything about me? Paul talks about how we often do things that we wish we didn't do. Romans 7.15 I do not understand what I do. <laughs> For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Paul talks about the struggle that we all have every day. He acknowledges also in, in the third chapter, we have all sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And perhaps even more powerfully than, than consciously, it's, it's the ways that we subconsciously are telling ourselves that God could never accept me. God could never love me. We might say the right thing here in church. Oh yes, I believe in the grace of God. I believe I've been saved. I'm a born-again Christian. I believe God loves me. I believe in this love covenant that the pastor is talking about. We say it. We want to believe it. And subconsciously, deep down, we still have that, that very real voice. Does God really love you? Looking upon that list that bears all the wrong in your life. 
all the ways that you've taken advantage of another person, all the ways that you've cheated this or that way, those times that you spent looking things up on your phone or a computer that were never meant for your eyes to see, how you secretly hoped for others to fail for your gain. And so with, with each of us having this list that we know all too well, our question, our, our question deep within, even if we say and we want to believe it so deeply, we say to ourselves, wouldn't God, wouldn't the Lord Jesus Christ be the one that is most lost to us, that most runs away from us, that most puts his hands out to us, holding that list of our wrongs? Wouldn't he be the one that's least likely to ever love you? To ever accept you. This is why Christians put so much emphasis on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, when he went to that cross, you know what he took with him? He took your list. All that list of the record of wrongs and the things that you're not proud of in your life and the ugly sides of you that have bored its head at times and, and the ways that you have hurt people even yourself, that list, Jesus, he took that list with him to that cross. When they came to arrest him in the garden of Gethsemane, he had your list. When he stood trial and was convicted to death by crucifixion, he had your list. Through being tortured, he still had it. As he bore the cross on his back, and as he labored, down the alleys and streets of Jerusalem. He still had your list. Even when they nailed his hands to the beams, he still didn't let go of it. He took your list with him. And hanging on that cross, they stripped everything in his life, even his clothes. Yet as he was there bare, he had your list. They took everything, but they could never take his soul, and they, he, they could never take away your list. And so in Matthew 27, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. They couldn't take that from him. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. As Jesus cried and gave up his spirit, that list of your sins and wrongdoing was torn in two. Your list was torn in two from top to bottom. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. We believe that on the cross, Jesus had your list. And at his death, as his body was torn in two, so your list that would keep you from God, from God, the list he bore through it all is torn in two. And so the goodness of God is wrapped up. It's all a part of God's love covenant with you. That from creation, Jesus would take your list to the cross and from creation, you would be sitting here all together as this church, 
listening to the beautifully to the to this beautiful message that God loves you with an eternal love and that nothing can separate you as Paul says in Romans 8 nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord now I say all this because I know that in all of us there are times in which we will call this Satan, the personification of evil. The devil himself will come and, and, and begin to weave into your life the idea that God doesn't really love you. God's word can't really be trusted. Well, I'm here to say today that that's just not true. That on that cross, a very real person, Jesus himself, died in order to take away any barriers between you and his love being shown to you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Psalm 136.1 Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Psalm 107.1 Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Psalm 118.1 Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His chesed, his covenant with you, endures forever. Psalm 100. He is good. His love, his chesed, endures forever. Second Chronicles. This is all throughout Scripture. This is the story God wants to share with you. And it's not just for you. Anyone that you know that has not yet confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there are people, I know there are people in this room that have friends and that have family that have not yet decided to be a Christian. This covenant is something that God promises for all people. He's beckoning us as a, as a church to be sharing this covenant that God has made with our friends and our family, with us ourselves, with the entire world. Because all of us, think of people that have not come to this realization that Jesus took my list to that cross. That means every day they live with that guilt. Every day they live with that shame of trying to figure out how am I going to take one more step in the darkness of this life? Who's going to love me? Who's going to appreciate me? In the end, where can I find my acceptance? 2 Chronicles 5.13 In this place, the temple, the great temple of, of the Jewish faith is being built. And they're going to put the ark into the temple. This is, this is the presence of God being taken to the temple. And they're going to have a worship service. That makes sense, right? It's like if we just built this sanctuary, it would make sense to have a worship service in it. And actually, it's the first, so this is the first worship service, okay? This is the big inauguration of this new dwelling place for God. And I find it fascinating, you'll hear, I find it fascinating to hear what God does with us humans that want to find acceptance and that want to do something. It says, starting in verse 11, All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves regardless of their divisions. All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar. They were dressed in fine linen, playing the cymbals and the harps and the lyres, that we were doing that. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, 
the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then, then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Everyone was ready to do something. They all came to Canoga Park Press at 11 o'clock on Sunday, ready for a combined worship service. The band was ready. We had some really beautiful signs made to, to talk about what we're revolving around in Scripture. Everybody was come. We all dressed a little nicer today. At least I tried to. And right when they were going to do their worship service to say whatever they were trying to say, the cloud, that's the presence of God, but so thick, came into the place that it was so thick they couldn't even see in front of them. Nabil, where'd you go? Beverly, I can't see you anymore. They, they couldn't see anything. Rebecca was, was playing her music. All of a sudden, she couldn't read the music anymore. Of course, she could probably keep on going. <laughs> but you see the point. The cloud came. Ese nube llegó al santuario y cubrió todo. No pudieron seguir. They were shut down. God shut down church. Why? So often, even in the church, we're trying to still seek approval. We're trying to seek acceptance. Well, maybe if I sing pretty today, God will, God will accept me. Maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that. And we've even come to define worship as action, as doing, as trying to somehow appease or make God glad. And in that day, God said, no. That in fact, he didn't just tell them no. He brought his cloud in, his presence, and shut down that worship service. We need to anchor our lives to verse 3 of Psalm 100. Know that the Lord is God. Know, acknowledge, recognize that the Lord is God. And that word Lord is very important. It's much more than you might think it means. It's, it's the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, God. You know what that means? Whenever you are reading your Bible and you see Lord in all capital letters, do you know what that means? It's, it's translating a very important word. It's translating the name that God gave to Moses when Moses said, God, what is your name? And this name is so holy that even in the Jewish tradition, when they're reading scripture, and the name gets before them, they won't say it out loud in respect and in reverence to the word, that, to, to God's proper name. And so in that tradition also, in many of our Bible translations, when the word comes to God's name, instead it just says, Lord, in all capital letters. But every time you see that, it's actually referring to the proper name that God gave to Moses. Now I'm going to say it twice today. 
And I don't feel too bad because my accent probably is terrible, so it's probably not even saying it right. But this is the word, Yahweh. It's a beautiful name that means I am. It could even mean I am who I will be. It's God saying, if you want to try and nail me down, you can't do it. I'm wild. I'm free. I'm going to be whoever I'm going to be. And so when the scriptures call us to know and acknowledge that the Lord is God, it's not saying acknowledge that God exists. It's saying know, acknowledge, confess that the God as known through the Bible in Jesus Christ is God. This is difficult because this is talking about absolute truth. And our, our, uh, our culture, our society is kind of wants to push away absolute truth. Know that the Lord is God should stir a strong reaction inside of you. It's saying that all religions are not created equally. I have people come up to me from time to time and they will say, So, Pastor, uh, you know all religions basically teach the same thing, love. And so they, they're all equally able to access God. Well, when we say that, we're not taking at least the Bible seriously. Because when we say that, uh, Jesus would be sitting there shaking his head and pointing to Psalm 103. Know that Yahweh, second time, is God. Be still. Be still. My cloud is going to come in and it's going to take everything, all of your action away. Be still. Know that I am God. I think this is what the Lord wanted me to say today. I'm about to say this. Worshiping God has nothing to do with our action. Worshiping God has to do with our, our willingness to simply be before God. And not think we have to do anything to receive the love of God. Your, your life is already marked by one, by God, who has entered into a love covenant with you. There's nothing that you need to do for that covenant to be alive and active. You can wake up every morning and you can resist you can put to the side your your desire to be accepted and, and approved for eternity you've already been fully 100% accepted and approved loved by God himself i'm going to invite you now as as we finish this sermon into a communal offering time and what I'm going to do is I will invite you into a few minutes of worship in which we all together do absolutely nothing before the Lord. And by Lord, you must mean the God of the Christian scriptures, the God fully present as Jesus.
this is going to be a pure thanksgiving. It's going to be um, something that we're doing where there's, there's nothing that can be done in this moment to earn God's love. There's nothing you can do in this moment to earn God's approval or acceptance. But rather, I'm going to invite you for a few minutes of worship in which all we do together is absolutely nothing before the Lord. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to sit down and I'll invite you to to think these words, to pray these words, to let these words be in your thoughts. I'm still. God, you are good and your love for me endures forever. I'm, I'm still. I'm doing nothing, Lord. I'm doing nothing. You are good. Lord Jesus, your love for me endures forever. And we're going to do nothing. We're just going to let that acknowledge that the Lord is God. Acknowledge the Lord loves you. And for a few minutes, this is going to be our worship today. We're going to do nothing. We're just going to sit as a church before God. So be still and know that he is God. Let's enter into this time of worship.